I'm Sanvid Vaidya. And I'm Ashmit Kumar. And you're listening to us, the Meta Fandom Boys. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Meta Fandom Boys podcast. I'm your host, Sanvid Vaidya, joined by my co-host, Ashmit Kumar. And this is episode eight of the Meta Fandom Boys podcast, ladies and gentlemen. And... It's December. It's the end of the year. The year is ending. Christmas is almost near. By the time you're listening to this episode, it might already be Christmas. But it's been a great year for movies, not just Marvel movies, but also for other normal movies. But it's been a great year for movies. And what I'm trying to say is that it is that time of the year where we rank everything that has happened, not just this year, but in the MCU. And again, Phase Four just ended last month with Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. So we decided. to do our annual meta fandom boys ranking episode ladies and gentlemen yes episode 8 is where the mfb aka the meta fandom boys rank the phase 4 of the marvel cinematic universe ladies and gentlemen it's a big episode and that is exactly why we have split this episode into two parts yes the first episode which you're currently watching right now and currently listening to is the one where we give our ranking of the movies all phase 4 mcu movies and part 2 which is the big one is where we rank all the phase 4 disney plus shows and special presentations and the what if animated shows so it's like 10 different pieces of content on disney plus just for phase 4 which has been released by marvel studios so it's a lot it's a lot to rank all the mcu phase 4 projects especially in one episode which is why we decided to divide it into two parts and with that ladies and gentlemen we are going to drop in and give our rankings of the movie so we are going to go from worst to best we're going to go from number 7 to number 1 i don't know ashmit's ranking he doesn't know mine it's absolutely we don't know each other's ranking it's absolutely crazy and i have just found a list which a friend of mine has just compiled he he's the one who's made the list he knows our ranking and that is exactly why i'm going to do a slide show and i'm going to show what our rankings are and for those who are listening to us on spotify or on any other podcast platform we will tell you exactly what is on our list so you know what let's start it's it's been a it's been a great year for movies and i i have been waiting forward for this ranking episode and you know what we will do an mfp awards episode as well next year where we will rank the top 10 best movies of 2022 which doesn't just include marvel movies but also includes all the other movies like top gun maverick everything everywhere all at once it's it's a lot there's a long 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 list for that as well but we're going to rank the top 10 best movies of that as well in the next next when next year starts which is why we're going to start with the phase 4 ranking of the marvel cinematic universe the movies first so i'm going to sk- share my screen right now and um okay 3 2 So starting from number seven, ooh. Oh. So yes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm my least favorite MCU movie, or number seven for me is Black Widow, and for Ashmit, his least favorite MCU movie on number seven is Thor: Love and Thunder. So Ashmit, you know what? Let's start with you. Why Thor: Love and Thunder? I know most of it is kind of obvious, but I'd love to know you your main reasoning as to why Thor: Love and Thunder is this good. Well, uh, kind of the main reason for me placing Thor: Love and Thunder on number seven also was kind of my experience with the movie as well. I mean, this was one of the movies for which I was really hyped about. 
it's just i love scarlet johansson don't get me wrong scarlet johansson is amazing she's amazing and i've loved her as black widow i've loved her in iron man 2 the avengers film civil war it was great i really liked her and i wanted to see the red room aspect of it all but the cgi in the third act and taskmaster my god so much hope so much hope from taskmaster and black widow was the first mcu phase 4 movie so you were like okay you know what you have end game then you put spider man far from home the hype is already there everyone loves the mcu then covid happened obviously unfortunately so the movie got pushed but the movie was already ready and they kept that movie in the shelves for almost a year and did it and just then released it in 2021 it's like they could have probably reworked on the movie rewatched it and maybe decided okay you know what maybe let's fix this cgi because the cgi in the third act very bad like that one scene where florence pugh kind of sacrifices herself and like just jumps off the red room and just parachutes down i could see it was i could see the green screen it was it was bad it was really really bad and i just i it's like Some things I really appreciated. Florence Pugh in this movie was amazing. I loved her. Don't get me wrong. Florence Pugh was amazing. David Harbour was amazing. Seeing him outside of Stranger Things was so good, and he was a genuinely great comic book relief. That one scene where they get, the prison escape, where they make him escape from prison, so well done. And the opening, I really, really loved the opening. The opening set the tone of the film to be dark and scary, very Mission Impossible, Jason Bourne, spy thriller, amazing. I, I really liked the opening, the way how uh, young Natasha and young Yelena were taken, and how all her family was fake. I really liked that aspect. But then after the movie, I just felt most of the comedy felt forced. Most of the ideology of the red room, and then I think. we were having a little more expectations we thought we wanted to see more of black widow and hawkeye how she got into shield we just got them in like bits and pieces they never really showed that she just talked about it in the movie and i was just like there was so much potential and it felt wasted and that's exactly why i personally feel black widow is a little low on this list it's my least favorite mc movie i like thor love and thunder just a tad bit more than black widow i know i know it's it's crazy just a tad bit more Again, the timing of this movie was bad. If you if you would have given me this movie in 2017, after before or after Thor Ragnarok or something, I would have watched it. I would have loved it. It's just it kind of felt muddled because you're like, I really miss Natasha. But the end credit scene was good. The end credit scene was good. I loved it. Actually, made me realize how much I miss Natasha Romanoff and how much I miss Scarlett Johansson. So. Yeah, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. That's exactly why Black Widow is my least favorite MCU movie. I know the comments are probably gonna hate me. All the fans are like, "Wait, there's a Thor: Love and Thunder is much worse." But I'll explain why I like Thor: Love and Thunder just a tad bit more. So you know what? Let's move to number six. What's on number six, ladies and gentlemen? It's ooh, okay. So yes, my number six is Thor: Love and Thunder. For those of you who are listening to us on our on our podcast platform, and Ashmeet's just a little bit more, we could have matched. <laughs> just a tad bit more, exactly. I know. And Ashmeet's number seven is Eternals. Interesting, interesting. You know what, Ashmeet? I'd like to know why do you put an Eternals this low? Well, first of all, see all. whatever i'm going to speak about it it's all going to start with the hype part only like you think about the hype part only eternals the main thing about eternals was going to be its star cladded cast right you had you had two game of thrones characters 
act sorry two game of thrones actors you had angelina jolie you had so many uh, well established actors many people were thinking that this was going to be the crux of uh, uh, marvel but in the end though you know it, it was all about the all about the hype just go because uh, when i saw the eternals i found that you know the action choreography was dull the visuals were equally bland there, and there was the fact that there was nothing to strengthen most of the sequences that were occurring like there was no emotional hook there were no like character moments to be found and you can see like the actors were too trapped in the celebrity status like for example if you see robert downey junior in any of the like the mcu movies you didn't see robert downey junior you saw tony stark you saw mm-hmm. iron when you saw a scarlett johansson you see her you saw uh natasha romanoff you saw black widow but i didn't see it like this way in the eternals i could only see the actors not the characters because i couldn't like vibe with them that well so that that was my complaint when speaking about eternals i thought it was fine it was not great but not terrible also it was somewhere in the middle um only i wish i could have seen more character building like you see with james gunn's movies hmm honestly i think eternals could have worked well as a tv show like it was too much information to cram into just a movie it was too much bouncing around between time periods not enough screen time for um, you know side characters which makes eternals more one dimensional than others and for example like the twist for icarus you remember that yeah that could have worked really well in a tv show if they had given time for icarus character to be built a little more you're right so, i i agree with that i 100% agree with that yeah i i agree with that i personally feel this could have done better as a tv show but yes ladies and gentlemen my number 7 is thor lavan thunder and i'll explain why you had christian bale yes he feel yes this is probably the one movie role where he gave his absolute best but the script itself was so bad that the whole movie was just like okay you know what i don't want to watch it and i can't believe i actually we actually said this on our doctor love and thunder spoiler review we actually said this movie was better than doctor strange in in the multiverse of madness i i i take that back i am so sorry ladies and gentlemen it's not because thor love and thunder i'll be very honest the first time around the jokes were cringe but i was like you know what i'm trying my best to like this movie i watched it the second time i just had to pause the movie and switch it off it was bad it was really bad and the thing is the jokes don't land the second time around how were you watching it the second time i tried i tried my best i was and you are a big marvel fan but still this is like too much for anyone i know i know and the thing is i tried i tried my best to be like okay you know what there's something good about this movie and i'll say this the jokes are bad it's worse than ragnarok it is it the worst thor movie that's debatable because thor the dark world is boring Thor the Dark World is boring. Love and Thunder still gives you Christian Bale. Yes, it's a bad movie, but it still gives you Christian Bale. Still gives you some good amount of Thor screen time. You get the Guardians of the Galaxy for like five minutes, and it's okay. Whereas Thor the Dark World is just purely boring. It's just it's boring. It still had Loki, so that was a plus point for Thor the Dark World. But again, Love and Thunder, in my opinion. missed opportunity taiko waititi just needed someone who could tell him that most of the things he was running for was right for example having thor being like finding his purpose in life realizing what to do now now that the avengers are gone 
was actually a great idea but then you mess it with mess it up with the god butchering and then you don't show any god butchering except the opening scene like what's the point of having the god butcher if you don't show him killing god damn it that was the worst freaking part it's just again some people will have like much longer essays as to why they hate this movie and again the jokes don't land the goats in my opinion were kind of funny but after after a certain point they got annoying the fight with god on the planet on the moon that was actually nice i kind of liked it some of the cgi looked noticeable but it was the one point of action in the movie where i was like shit that's cool that's kind of nice and then russell crow oh my god russell crow kind of like they they made him funny and they made him fat and i just russell crow it's like wasted potential i just this movie was an entirely wasted potential there could have been so much more with this movie and it just it just didn't land for me ladies and gentlemen that's exactly why i thought love and thunder is on my number 6 but it's just a tad bit better than black widow so yeah that's it so let's you know what let's move to number 5 now it now is where it gets interesting number 5 is oh okay so n- my number 5 ladies and gentlemen is doctor strange in the multiverse of madness and ashmit's number 5 is black widow you know what ashmit you start with black widow you liked it obviously more than me so you know what i'd like to know what you liked specifically well uh, of course i was uh, very excited for scarlett johansson to have her own movie i mean this was the second female lead after after Brie Larson to have her own, and we have been seeing the uh, Scarlett Johansson since Iron Man two. We haven't seen hmm. her for a long time, and since we saw her die in Endgame, many people were excited to okay see her return on the big screen as well. But also the high factor played here as well. Also, then meet the expectations. I mean, when we saw the trailer, we saw Taskmaster. We saw an individual who can copy the moves of all the previous uh, Marvel heroes. Who can like and who can be proved to be a formidable villain. But uh, you know, so I didn't. Uh, I found Black Widow bad, but I didn't find it as bad as the uh, other movies. That's why I placed it on the number five position. For Black Widow, you can see that. I've seen this Marvel to having problem. Like it's hard for a MCU movie to show an individual who has no superpowers as the main lead. I mean, they did well with Hawkeye, but I guess they learned the lesson from Black Widow as well because mm. all the other main leads they had some kind of superpowers. Black Widow was the first one who had to. Other movies of other like the uh, uh, genres they had. no problems like you have no problem with shown james bond being cool but maybe adopting that formula into mcu movies maybe it did not go as well as you know they expected hmm. and black widow kind of it had a flat visual style it had a very generic structure and it had an instantly forgettable villain like taskmaster we were expecting him to be like to reach a high level but we instantly forgot and the plot twist also we saw it coming mm-hmm. so black widow it was uninteresting it like went out of its way to having any sort of personality but other than that scarlett johansson i really loved her acting um, i really liked the performance of the other actors as well so that's why i placed it on a much higher position than uh, eternals or lavatha Actually, one point of Black Widow which was super funny to me, and I was like, okay, you know what? That's silly. Was Drakov in the red room and using and Natasha using her breaking her nose to remove that spell, 
it was so funny and again i think they did that in the comics but it was even funny in the comics so actually doing right. something which was funny in the comics and silly in the movies was just it didn't make sense i was like oh, that's silly why are you doing that i don't know breaking her nose and then i don't know it felt very draco was an instantly forgettable one who has read the comics which consists of the majority of the mcu viewers like a you can say like almost like only 35 or even 20% of the people who watch marvel movies have actually read the comics or are interested in it so if you like incorporate those jokes it's not maybe that easy to understand hmm exactly but yes ladies and gentlemen for me number 5 is doctor strange in the multiverse of madness again missed opportunity sam raimi delivered don't get me wrong i do not blame sam raimi at all for this movie he delivered an absolutely amazing job this movie again the biggest issue is the script of this film you have doctor strange you put wanda maximoff you put lizzie olson in this movie right after the success of wandavision the hype for this movie was instantaneous and then it's coming up right after right after spiderman no way home where you had three amazing spiderman and then you deliver a multiverse movie which has multiverse in the title and you only show me two universes what the frick it's like i just again the visuals were amazing i loved the traveling scene of doctor strange and america chavez traveling from one universe to the other one multiverse to the other it was amazing i really like that but we saw only two universes there was so much potential you put multiverse of madness in the title and you only show me two multiverses what's the point what's the freaking point and it's just the thing is wonder maximum i love lizzie olsen don't get me wrong i love lizzie olsen i loved her in wonder vision and then you waste her character arc and turn her into a full blown villain it's like wonder vision was step 1 step 2 in into her turning into a villain and and multiverse of madness was directly step 8 9 10 and and it just skipped all the steps step 3 step 4 step 5 step 6 step 7 it literally skipped all of that you just turned her into a villain without zero intention and you then based the entire argument of oh my god she was reading the dark hole that's why she became a villain what the it's just like there is some sort of sense you know like i just the script was bad the movie was not elizabeth olsen delivered a brilliant performance she was a great villain even though i didn't want her to turn into a villain i knew that she was going to turn into a villain eventually but then michael warden actually said in an interview that he did not want to wait all the wait for some avengers movie to use scarlet Scar- the scarlet which is a villain and wanted to use her first in doctor strange bro wait man just wait a little bit you have scarlet Scarlet Witch you have the absolutely amazing Elizabeth Olsen portraying such an amazing character at least in Wanda's arc which started in WandaVision it just makes zero sense to completely turn in, turn her into a full blown villain without actually explaining her thorough reasoning you can't just say oh my god she's finding her kids and that reasoning which she gave to gave to Wong at the uh, at the Wonder Gore Mountains was that i want my kids in i want i want to control the multiverse so that if anything happens to the kids i get from one universe i can instantly change them from another universe if my kids get sick i can find a cure by traveling the universe or traveling the multiverse what cure the kids were fake okay they were real in a few other universes you could have taken over one universe why do you want to control the multiverse 
that's the whole point multiverse of madness so much i god knows you're coming out of you're coming out of spiderman no way home you're like oh my god it has multiverse in the title we're going to get cameos it gave us cameos i'll still like the fact that we gave the we got the john krasinski cameo we got the Pro- patrick stewart as professor x cameo we got the black bolt cameo we got peggy carter not from what if it was a completely different version but you know what i'm happy with it and that's exactly why it's still better than black widow still better than thor love and thunder great visuals great acting great directing bad script that's it just very bad script and that is exactly why i'm a little afraid that michael waldron who's now writing avengers secret wars which is like which is supposed to be bigger than multiverse of madness and than kang dynasty it's i'm very afraid as to what he does with that because michael waldron did such an amazing job with loki that i was looking forward to this film and then he messed up wonder's arc and it's just sometimes you know a character sometimes you don't but he just admitted that he didn't even watch wonder vision he didn't even watch wonder vision he and sam raimi didn't watch wonder vision but sam raimi still did an amazing job with whatever he had whereas michael waldron if he just had watched wonder vision and understood wonder's arc this movie could have been really top of the list but yeah that's why ladies and gentlemen doctor strange and multiverse of madness is number 5 for me i could go on and on as to the things they could have done with this movie but unfortunately they didn't <sighs> anyways you know what let's go number 4 Okay now Ashmit's number 4 is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness and my number 4 yes I like Eternals more than Multiverse of Madness but you know what Ashmit let's hear your reasoning as to why you like it a tad bit more than me So when you were speaking about Multiverse of Madness I knew okay I was going to be next I was going to speak about it. so I didn't know like what else to say that you haven't already said since you were focusing in the beginning on the negative I thought you okay maybe I'll focus on the positive but then you focused on the positive also so now I have literally I feel like I don't know what to say so I'll just add my personal uh, view points only it can get a bit repetitive also so yeah Multiverse of Madness um uh, I found it okay but I found it better than the other movies because um it did justice it maybe if they had changed the title maybe if, mm. if it wasn't multiverse of madness it could have been better uh going into the movie I didn't know that Scarlet Witch was going to be the main villain so that was a good twist Elizabeth Olsen's acting was amazing I really loved that and in the reviews also I have seen that many people criticized the uh, um Wanda's motives for going evil, and I find it that you know if uh, her her reasons are like not as bad as any of the other villains who we have seen over the years. Hmm. So you know this uh, like as Wanda herself said that when she related her herself to uh, Doctor Strange giving the in uh, Infinity Stone the Time Stone to Thanos, yeah. When you become the hero, I do it. I become bad. That doesn't seem fair. So because and we are seeing a Wanda who has lost her brother who has lost the love of her life she like she nearly went insane by ca- capturing a town she almost had her powers taken by Agatha so this is a someone who has you know turned evil gone to the dark side and she this is someone who just wants comfort so maybe I am I won't be like someone who will criticize Wanda but I'm not like promoting her also like you know Wanda was right and all but still, but overall uh, what I mean to say is that Multiverse Man showed a good villain 
someone who was like very powerful and at the same time like had their motives which was like somewhat like understandable and the speaking of like any movie in which you will show Wong I'll give it a thumbs up yeah same because his comedic timing him uh, getting spotlight is worth uh, worthwhile to watch perfect I agree uh, I agree you're using Sam Raimi's signature style that in itself is top notch like the eye shots the good body style in which it has shown like this is you usually don't get to see Marvel in a like a scary view but this was done well this was done perfectly I mean I obviously have my criticisms the way they butchered Mr. Fantastic all the other members of the Illuminati and I was expecting Evil Doctor Strange but then they had some like musical fight or something so yeah that was and then the end the bad eye CGI also I mean, the, all yeah the third eye CGI there. was bad the post credit scene I will give you credit having Charlize Theron as Clea was yeah. great I was like oh wow okay you know what now I'm excited fine I'll give it but some credit where I can this. But Multiverse of Madness has got stunning visuals. It's yeah. got a third force performance from Elizabeth Olsen. It's got Sam signature style. It's got a phenomenal fan service. I mean, mm. they have they, given it to us. We asked for a, like a Mr. Fantastic. They gave it to us. We asked for like uh, cameos from like other like universe. We asked for cameos from the X Men universe. They gave it to us, and we were happy about it. Uh, it Multiverse of Madness breaks free from the like the Marvel template by leaning into horror tropes. That was amazing. It has right. fun with it, all of its cameos, and it moves the narrative forward by setting up further adventures and storylines. Right. So that's why I place Multiverse of Madness on the moon. There is a few good things to love, but yeah, it's still flawed. But yes, ladies and gentlemen, my number four. is eternals i will tell you exactly why i think eternals is a little bit better than Th- doctor strange it's because at the end of the day yes it's a completely different marvel movie if you remove the marvel studios logo from the film you can i would literally not even recognize the fact that it's a marvel movie it it doesn't feel like a marvel movie it feels like a chloe zhao oscar picture it feels like a chloe zhao movie where she just took seven to eight different characters who are also secretly living on earth and they just merged with the marvel cinematic universe you put a few mcu easter eggs here and there and this still this movie has something very unique to offer to the mcu very less cgi beautiful visuals oh my god this is the one movie where i can conf- confidently say it has its visuals just a tad bit better than multiverse of madness because it doesn't use cgi that much you use makari's drifting scenes where she runs Her scenes were way better than any Flash movie or any Flash TV show I've ever seen. Like it was so wonderful to watch, especially in IMAX 3D. And yes, then you have these amazing actors. You have Angelina Jolie. You have uh, Salma Hayek. You have um, Richard Madden. You have Kumail Nanjiani. The cast was there. And yes, you do see them more as actors and less as characters because the Eternals are just like these aliens who look like humans. and just come to earth right when it has been born but the one thing which i really like about the script of this film is the fact that when you think about it it's a movie about finding your faith what what happens when you have these characters who have always believed that they come from a planet called olympia and for thousands and thousands of years have lived on earth they never age and have always been telling themselves that they come from a planet like olympia where their parents and everyone live 
what happens when after thousands and thousands of years you suddenly find out that your entire existence the ent- the one planet where you always thought you were born was actually never real it was all fake and that they were actually created by the one thing that was actually that actually sent them to earth the celestials it was such a wonderful idea of exploring that one myth but these guys they don't know where they come from and when they actually find out that they were actually just robots created by the same thing that they went to defend like just just think about it they actually went to earth to defend the earth from the deviants which was also created by the celestials so at the end of the day they are just toys used by these gods to do their thing and their version of protecting and protecting the universe the celestials technically say that they were protecting the universe but they were just using the universe and using these earths as eggs to create new celestials it was a brilliant idea and when you when they actually showed the flashback of those inter- entire eternals creating different planets it was just a beautiful visual especially when you have something right like guardians of the galaxy and then you show me characters like these which are completely different aliens who look like humans but their entire purpose was based on a lie it was just amazing and that and then the amount of times that they've lived on earth all of that coming together for them to realize that you know what we want to protect this particular planet because we've spent so many thousands of years over here that we actually want to protect this planet and then the divide where some people want to protect it some people don't want to get involved with it i like that idea where some people are like you know what i don't want to protect earth and then kumail nanjiani's king goes just flies away he didn't even fight in the final battle it was so smart and i was like okay you know what these guys have different opinions and then that entire celestial flag coming into the middle of the ocean again it hasn't been referenced much except one episode of she hulk but it was amazing to watch and then you see icarus who's like no you know what the celestials created us i will follow them and then he fights amongst the rest of the people and you see these differing opinions you see the deviants you see angelina jolie actually killing people using a sword it was just so visually thrilling and i was like you know what this is actually something so unique and that's one reason where i was like okay this doesn't feel like a marvel movie it feels like something completely else but it just somehow sticks into the overall mcu which is why i personally believe this movie has a lot of potential to do as a sequel again i still agree with you ashmit that this movie could have done better as a tv show i really feel we could have stretched out the characters fleshed out the characters given more and then the entire third act of the film would have made more sense according to me and i would have been like okay you know what this actually makes more sense we've had like seven episodes of the character building and we realize where they come from they could have even shown different aspects of the world they showed the nagasaki bombing they showed the old mayan they showed an indian wedding all the way back in the 14th century 13th century it was amazing they could have shown more of that if they did a television show of every character and how these characters all connect together it would have worked amazing I, the only complaint is that this could have been done been done better as a tv show and again you still have kit harington kit harington who didn't do much in the movie but the post credit scene where he turns into a um uh, i forgot the character he plays he uses a black sword um the black knight i think it's the black knight i don't know I, i hope i'm not being racist but i think it's called the black knight the name of the character where he uses a very magical sword and then you hear maharshala ali's blade voice cameo it was very good and then you put harry styles in the final cre- uh, mid end credit scene and i'm like what the frick is going on bro it's like 
just again really really nice i was like okay wow you are seeing harry styles is playing a character called eros who in the comics is thanos's brother and he's kind of like a womanizer he's kind of like a james bond slash not james bond like in terms of skill but he's kind of like a womanizer and you were like oh wow oh shit harry styles it actually kind of fits but i know marvel's never going to go that way but it, it was interesting to see him play a character like that so yeah i i still feel that the cameos and you have such iconic actors portraying such a unique characters they're not like self-made characters like iron man or captain america these are like gods but they don't know their purpose in life and i felt that was really interesting to explore and that's exactly why i put eternals just a little bit higher than multiverse of madness now we are going into our top 3 ladies and gentlemen this is where it gets interesting this is where it gets exciting our top 3 Ooh, okay. So, for those of you who are listening to us on the podcast format, my number three is Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and Ashmit's number three is the recently released Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Are we going to sink in like anything? I mean, there are only like I don't, two choices. Left. I think I we think will. I think I think I have some idea of. I think I think we're going to sink in at least the top one. But you know what? Uh, Let's start. I think. Wakanda Forever number three better than Shang Chi. I I want to know why. Ashmit, I want to know why Wakanda Forever for you is better than Shang Chi. I place it at number three, so Shang Chi is better than like Wakanda. Yeah, in your opinion, why? Yeah. Okay, so uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, in my opinion, was a showcase of a phenomenal tribute to a beloved performer. But it was also a marvelous film that shows that the MCU still has some tricks. up its sleeve i mean we have seen like uh, over over the years that mcu has used the theme of grief early on to start on the we saw an end game they showed like everyone is grieving over the the the, the people who they have lost similarly uh wakanda forever it starts because we've not only lost the character we have lost the actor also as well so it was something like that everyone in the audience can relate to The opening was beautiful. The way that they showed Chadwick in the MCU opening logos, that itself was amazing. And uh, you know, I was, I didn't know how uh, Wakanda Forever was going to establish itself now that they lost like the main actor. But they, they itself did a phenomenal job. They introduced a good anti-hero. So this is another thing which I like find. Because with the exception of like a few people, like uh, Obadiah Stane in the first movie and uh, the uh, Aldrich Killian in Iron Man three, most of the villains uh, in MCU, you see, they have a moral compass. Hmm. They they are bad, but at the same time, they're good also. Like one of the biggest villains in MCU, Thanos, he did what he did so that only because he believed that that is what was better for the 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 universe. Hmm. Similarly, we are introduced here to Namor, who is a, in my opinion, a very, very good addition to the pool of characters of MCU because he is not only he's got he's got mutant superpowers like we're in, getting introduced mm, to the mutants. Yeah. He has heightened strength. He has aquatic regeneration. He has flight. Like the, the that I, in the trailer when I saw those things, I didn't like maybe like. it the and the things on his legs that much but over the over time i began to really like it. and the actor uh, his name is a little too complicated tenok huerta but uh, tenok huerta mecha 
Yeah. Anyways, but actor I had uh, earlier seen him in Narcos, Mexico, and he this was like a complete transformation for him. Like he was completely different from the person who I'd seen. I for at first I didn't even recognize him. He was so good in it, mm-hmm. and you know the. I really enjoyed his character also, and the fact that they kept him alive at the end of the movie, they kept him alive for uh, many gen- for many other movies to come. I'm so I'm excited for that. That's why I appreciated Wakanda forever. And of course, there were a few characters, there was a few returning faces who I really who made the movie more enjoyable. Mbaku, his comedic mm, time, he is like the Wong of Wakanda. <laughs> I really loved him. So yeah, I'm glad I didn't kill him off. <laughs> really glad. And uh, obviously, Shuri taking the mantle of the Black Panther. But she is not, you can say, as morally good as Chadwick. She has, she still has like uh, some bad. But at the end, the fact that she was able to spare uh, Namor hmm. because she saw like that really encompassed the Black Panther theme here because like we we were able to relate how Chadwick was able to. Spare him mm. also, so that Shuri, in my opinion, is a great addition to, mm. to and she's like a great uh, Black Panther. And um, what else? Yeah, Ironheart. I didn't care for her much. I I really didn't like after seeing uh, Tony Stark, after seeing Robert Downey Jr. Obviously, we weren't gonna like uh, replace him with anybody. But he, as a like a side character, also. And Hart was not that enjoyable, so that's why like I didn't enjoy that much. But Wakanda Forever, like the theme of sadness, the theme of you know that Wakanda is still great even after what has happened. That is the reason why I love Wakanda Forever. I didn't like it as much as the first Black Panther movie, but it is still a great addition of base code. Interesting, very very interesting. I, I I understand that. But yes, ladies and gentlemen, for me number three. Is Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings? Simu Liu is a great addition. Trust me, Simu Liu was some of his action sequences. I actually didn't see him from Kim's Convenience, but everyone was like, "You should watch Kim's Convenience." I actually didn't get a chance to actually watch Kim's Convenience, but he—he's a great addition. You could see he truly worked and like got in shape for this character. And again, even I didn't know who Shang Chi was. The one side of the comics that I was like, "Okay, you know what? This is an interesting movie." I again was. This is also the first movie that I watched after lockdown lifted, after COVID lockdown lifted in India. This is the first MCU movie that, not just the first, this is the first movie I watched after lockdown lifted, and my God, it was so good. It was, and the thing is, I watched Black Widow on my laptop, whereas this was the one movie I watched in the big screen, and wow, it was, it blew me away. I was, I was expecting a normal. Generic origin story, and yes, it was amazing and like normal, but it was better than generic. It was way better than generic. And again, origin stories, in my opinion, are kind of like you know what? It kind of gets boring. Like everyone wants to see Avengers type level. Everyone wants to see sequels, and like everyone wants to see the natural progression of an already existing character. Whereas origin stories are kind of getting outdated, or should I say, something not that not a lot of people are really enjoying. Whereas Shang Chi, in my opinion, was a brilliant origin story. I think one of the best origins films in the MCU, one of the best origin stories, at least in my opinion. You have martial arts. You have Jackie Chan level martial arts. Amazing action sequences. I think the one action sequence in uh, the uh, tram, the San Francisco tram, 
so good just the the hand to hand combat movements so well executed and you can genuinely see the amount of work and effort gone into this and then you introduce a beautiful city like talo you have michelle yo i mean come on michelle yo the absolute goddess the absolute queen you have her in the movie you have simu liu truly using those 10 rings again a lot of things have changed from this movie the original version of the 10 rings were actually rings whereas over here it's like 10 bangles five on one side five on one side and i think the best part about this movie again a movie is only as good as its villain and wen wu who was simu uh, shang chi's father he was the real mandarin the mandarin has been teased in iron man 3 played by um, ben kingsley again it was so good to see him here but i really like the ben kingsley twist in iron man 3 that was actually fun because i was like wait he's an actor what the frick it was actually nice and i was like you know what this is really really interesting i was like okay you know what this could they could actually do the mandarin version sometime later and they did it and it was so well done i'm okay with the fact that it's bangles the bangles make much more sense because again the rings are something you've done the infinity thing you've got the infinity stones rings are something okay i can understand whereas why these bangles absolutely work the opening where you see how wenbu has been living his life and how the rings have given him immortality it was so well done and then him actually fighting thinking that his wife is actually alive and fighting to get to the uh, dark side of talo and and how that dragon was controlling his brain and pretending that his wife was alive it was actually cool only for only for you to realize that it was actually a bad dragon who was actually trying to take over the world and like eat talo it was actually dark the third part actually became dark with those soul eating dragons just sucking up the souls I was like okay you know what this is actually kind of cool I was like this is really really nice and I'm like okay you know what this is fun I actually enjoy this then you put Aquafina oh my god Aquafina was so much fun and her jokes absolutely landed her jokes were so fun her jokes were i think the one antidote something thor thor love and thunder should have been but unfortunately was not Aquafina's every joke landed every joke of Aquafina's landed this movie was fun it was action packed it was great origin story it was amazing it was everything that i wanted from an origin film and it blew my mind in every way shape or form and i exactly understand as to why destin daniel cretton the director of this movie was chosen to direct avengers the kang dynasty i can actually see why because he did the action he did the choreography it all worked perfectly i loved it i really really like shang chi legend of the 10 rings so yeah for me it's number 3 So yeah, I think it's time to reveal our top two. This is where it gets exciting. Our top two. I think I think I know what our top twos are. I knew it. I knew it. Ashmit's number two is Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. For you guys, I know it's. I think I think now that we know our number two, I think our number ones are gonna sing. I think it's very obvious now. But yes. Ashmit's number two is Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which means he liked it better than Wakanda Forever. Whereas I, I liked Wakanda Forever so much, I was about to put it number one. But I just realized, but there is just something about the number one film. We'll explain when we get to there, which I personally believe Wakanda Forever could have never done. But Wakanda Forever, at the end of the day. We'll explain as to why it's so good. We've already explained it in our spoiler review. But you know what, Ashmit, I want to know why do you like Shang Chi just a tad bit more than Wakanda Forever? Anvit, I love you, but one thing I do not like about you is like you take all the points that I want to say. 
so yeah but uh, if i want to say like uh, for my personal note uh, shanti and legend of ten rings was you can say one of the few marvel movies of phase 4 that was actually worth the hype shanti is marvel's first asian movie and the style yeah. of the film was on the you know rich history of asian cinema like the way that they show martial arts movies gangster films romance all of it was somehow incorporated into this one movie like recent just like the recent disney plus shows like wonder vision and loki shanti's greatest strength is its power to surprise which was something that i really appreciated and um drawing on the superhero style myths and legends of a, like a completely new culture shanti had a like a edge in its origin style then something that was missing from like a familiar fare like black widow from the moment shanti busts out its uh, martial arts skills on board a runway bus the legend of the ten rings is all about action the fight scenes were coordinated in case you don't know the fight scenes were coordinated by the late Brad Allen who was a frequent collaborator with Jackie Chan and the set piece punch ups were with a zest were all too rarely seen in Hollywood blockbusters so you know that you know you have seen the movie you know how great the fight the fight scenes were but if you actually know the background about it also it adds a little more appreciation also each character and each fight had a personality expressed through their style of fighting the hero's personal growth is symbolized by his changing fighting style uh, and the movie had a depth and satisfying piece of visual storytelling that's why shanti was in my opinion the second best movie of phase 4 very good i i i understand the thing is it, it's a really good movie i just feel wakanda forever in my opinion was just perfect how could you how can you make a movie without the when the lead actor of the lead character of the film is genuinely dead in real life and still somehow keep the narrative on wakanda on wakanda as a nation as a third world nation with all of these amazing resources which everyone wants to take advantage of and still introduce a beautiful new story that doesn't in a way or the else feel like it's recasting the real actual chadwick tchala and still feels new still feels real and still keeps it in the family that black panther is not just all about chadwick and about tchala but it's more it's more about wakanda it's about wakanda it's about the people of wakanda it's about this third world nation when you explore the black panther side of things it's not just black panther it's wakanda it's the city it's the resources it's the vibranium it's the people it's the culture and that's something wakanda forever truly builds up on at the end of the day it is still an origin story for shuri it is still a story of a sister mourning the loss of a brother a mom mourning the loss of her son and all of this in the wake right after end game and it's just you have such a and again i really like the idea that they didn't like explain the disease as to how he died i understand that i respect that they main sure that okay chadwick died in real life they're also going to have a natural progression as to how tchala died in the film and you move the story forward instead of being like okay you know what chadwick is still alive we're going to do a cgi version of him we're going to make put someone in a random cgi suit and we're going to recreate chadwick boseman i'm so happy they respected the legacy and that's something you can truly expect when you have ryan googler who truly understands the respect and the amount of appreciation that people have for the black community in this film 
and maintaining and making sure why they love this movie so much and again there were so many debates going on #recastachala #recastachala and i really respect the decision that they were like no chadwick is tchala we're not going to recast him we're going to do a new story that respects him respects everything he stood for in this film and as a character and everything he stood for, for as black panther and still have a natural progression as to why shuri deserves the mantle not because it's in the kingdom and because she's his sister but because you have a mother who's now taken the throne she's fighting off all these people who are trying to invade wakanda invade its resources and she's still the one person fighting for her life at the throne and being like no we're going to take control of this and she's still mourning in her head the loss of her son and in that you introduce namor especially when the entire state of wakanda is reeling from the loss of its king you then introduce the biggest adversary that black panther has ever faced namor you have a mutant with flying freaking uh, flying freaking feathers on his feet who can fly who lives in the water has been alive for millions and millions of years inside the water and then you make him attack wakanda and why because of vibranium it was a great way of connecting the vibranium story and actually giving the audience's aspect that wait wakanda wasn't the only country where the vibranium uh, where the entire vibranium rock or the vibranium meteor fell it actually also part of it fell inside the water great way i and i think th- that was something they could have probably involved the eternals in as well but again the eternals weren't trying to conflict with anything that was already happening on earth so i respect that but again the actual vibranium aspect of it having namor a ba- giving namor a back story i mean wow you change namor's back story you completely change namor's back story he's no longer a submariner he's just a mayan mexican a latin american a uh, version of uh, of the same mutant that we all know and love but he's also now this origin of how he got his name nino c amor it was so well done the nino c amor aspect of it all how he got his name how why he's trying to protect his people it was it all made sense again a movie is only as good as its villain and when you have a villain whom you can sympathize with but also understand where he's coming from that is very rare in a marvel movie i mean look at gore just because his daughter died i mean okay some of it makes sense but going on a full blown rampage was exactly something wakanda forever also witnessed when you have shuri's mother dying you have queen ramonda dying right in front of shuri and namor saying mourn your losses now you are the queen it was so dark you actually see why this villain is this dark and where he's coming from but then you also see shuri's vengeance she's like no i'm going to kill him but then you have that absolutely amazing fight in the middle of the atlantic ocean with the wakandans and the talukanils it's so well done you f- see them fight you see these two different opposing fighters you realize where each of them is coming from and then having shuri follow chadwick's arc having shuri follow tchala's arc that vengeance has consumed us something that tchala did in civil war when he found out that zemo was the one who actually bombed the un and not bucky barnes and then shuri realizing that what namor did was necessary but still something that he did out of vengeance so well done again the writing the script the script makes so much of a difference you can already see from multiverse of madness if the script was better i would have put this movie on its number 1 i'm not even kidding with you but wakanda forever got everything right you got the script right you respect the chadwick boseman you put a new origin story 
about a sister mourning the loss of a brother and then you put her in a position where she has realized that the black panther is the only thing that has protected our nation and then going on an all out war with namor and the talukanians and yes iron heart i know not a lot of people liked her and i also was kind of skeptical as to like oh my god i cannot see anyone else apart from robert downey jr wear the suit and i just i was like oh my god i don't think i can see but i kind of actually was like okay you know what i understand her perspective i understand where riri williams is coming from the philadelphian the aspect of where she's coming from and how she fits into all of this a huge fan of tony stark someone who's going to mit i wish she was an alma mater but it's okay i'm happy with what we got again right done from the comics her i want to see what her ai is i want to see her version of the suit and again her second suit in the final battle of the film felt very much like a toy that's the one gripe i have with her suit specifically felt like a toy i was like bro what it feels like a toy whereas the first suit in that fight sequence on the bridge was real i literally felt like okay you know what that's how a mark 1 armor should look like if you're building a suit in 2022 that's exactly how it should look like it it was felt like straps it felt like velcros of all types of different gadgets just stuck on her body and it made sense i was like okay you know what now that's a mark 1 that actually makes sense it was great it i really liked it and again i could go on and on about how much i love wakanda forever not just because of the story and the aspect but also because at the end credit scene yes not a recast full blown recast but at the end of the day you still have a subtle reversion as to how much chadwick truly meant how much tchalla as a character truly meant and having his son having as having the fact that he actually had a son living with nakia in haiti wow it just it was it, it made me cry it was such a natural progression of how the movie ended we were like okay you know what this actually makes sense it's so well done it respects chadwick it introduces a new version of tchalla that we can see in the future sometime soon but it still gives shuri some more screen time that she can probably establish by doing a few more black panther movies if she wants to or probably appearing in secret wars and kang dynasty so yes it leaves the room for more and does and still respects the past and that's exactly why wakanda forever is number 2 i personally feel they could not have made a better black, black panther film than this i will go on and far as say i might as i might as well go far as say this movie is probably better than the first but then again it's all because of killmonger that the first movie had a better villain but they still brought killmonger over here they ma- made sure that the spoilers didn't leak that was a good job i love that the fact that they mentioned that spoilers were there but they made sure that to keep it a secret and again i could go on and on about wakanda forever but unfortunately we do not have the time and yes if you really want to see us talk more about the film you can check out our spoiler review if which if you haven't already please do so if we truly go in depth of the film But yes, I think it's time to reveal our number one film, which is very obvious. I think we already know what it is, and if anyone else has a different number one, we would love to know about it in the comment section. We would love to know if you could give a different reasoning as to why this part a particular this particular movie is number one and not the movie that we're about to show you. The most obvious number one, ladies and gentlemen, is I'm Spider-Man movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's just when you think about it, Spider-Man no way, Moon and Wakanda Forever. have some similar traits but then you put three spiderman come on come on come on you know what ashmit i love okay you know what let's start your version of why you like no way home then i'll talk about mine i won't steal any points 
I mean, with the exception of a few corny jokes that we've seen on the other Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, what is there not to love about Marvel? It is the ultimate fan service. It is the ultimate dose of nostalgia. It is something that provides a source of closure. I mean, many people complain that Tom Holland Spider-Man did not get an origin story. He didn't have a with great power comes great responsibility moment. After watching No Way Home, we realized that after all these years, what we have been seeing is actually an origin story. This is Tom Holland Spider-Man origin story, and No Way Home turned him. from junior iron man into his own personality no way home from starting only it had the hype you know and after jamie fox's uh, tweet where he revealed the three spidermans everyone was anticipating that yo something big is going to happen and from the moment the first trailer dropped we knew that it was going to happen i mean it was going to bring all of the people back they it was about to recreate our past a precious past that we want to go back so desperately to want to avoid all this college stuff but still it brought back alfred molina oh my god alfred brought back alfred molina he still has we still got it he still got he it still got that peter style he still got a villainy look he they got back sandman They brought back the lizard. I mean, the lizard. I wish he had more screen time. But I also wish he did not have more screen time because the second time I went to see the movie, I went to see it with my mom, and she's deadly scared of lizards. So I'm glad okay they didn't show him that much. <laughs> um, but they had William Defoe. He and after uh, his performance in No Way Home, he has shown us that he is still the best villain. He is still the most sinister villain. like he has no good in him at all he has no nothing that drives him all he has is his insanity all he has is a, like a uh, hunger for power and that is what makes him the best villain not only in the mcu but in the entire marvel universe and bringing him back and the villain before even at such old age he's do, doing his own stunts that was in itself amazing but other than those villains the heroes yes toby maguire andrew garfield tom holland you seeing all three of them in one frame i mean i at first i felt like after tom holland's uh, spiderman was introduced in 2016 in captain america civil war i thought like do these actors do they hold the same towards each other i mean uh, toby maguire he didn't get spiderman 4 and then andrew garfield came and then andrew garfield didn't get the spiderman 3 and then tom holland fell so i always felt that you know maybe they have like some sort of like resentment that but after seeing them together and all that feeling is gone because they we, their stories were uh, toby maguire and andrew garfield's stories were cut abruptly so seeing them in this one final movie it kind of gave like a sense of closure and obviously there was the redemption arc also and garfield saving finally saving i i felt that you know he thought about it so many years like what could he have done differently what could he have done that could have stayed and he just like he used that moment and that's why he broke down that moment. that is like a really hard touching moment but the way that all three of them were swinging together the way all three of them worked together as a team it was the ultimate fan service spider-man no way home number one spot 
phase four, not only like uh, in phase four, but in my opinion, best MCU movie. I think even in my ranking, I'll be very honest. Even the thing is, we are soon probably will also do a thirty MCU movie ranking because Wakanda Forever is the thirtieth MCU movie. So we'll probably rank phase one, phase two, phase three, all three, all thirty Marvel movies. Also in one episode. I don't think that's possible, practically possible. But we'll try. Thirty uh, movies. We'll probably split it into three parts. Maybe we'll do something like that. But yes, Spider-Man: No Way Home is also my number one. I don't think I can add anything specific to what Ashmit has said. But you know what? I'll say this. You have to, Andrew. You have Toby. But the best part about the film is that even, even though kind of it got leaked, most of it got leaked. There was still hype. because because yes you can tell some person that oh my god andrew and toby are coming and they will still want to watch how they are coming and you know what it wasn't just a 5 second cameo they actually made sense to the overall story that was the best part about the movie the fact is when you have toby andrew and tom but all of them focusing on toby on on tom's origin story it it makes sense because again this is still tom's trilogy this is tom still still tom's movie and having them come right after aunt may's death was okay it kind of took away from the fact that aunt may just died but then you're also like oh my god with what whoa, 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 whoa. it was amazing it was perfect the the theater the crowd went crazy and this is something that only people would have experienced something people have experienced way back in end game and they were truly waiting for something a moment in a marvel film which truly blows their minds away and is something that everyone is looking forward to for example the final battle in end game when every super, when all the portals opened everyone came and when captain america actually got the hammer and said avengers assemble that moment again cinematic masterpiece truly how do you top that how do you top that Again, I think Marvel has the answer. They did that with No Way Home, and I still believe that they can do that with Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars, and I hope that they do. But coming back to No Way Home, yes, it is Tom's origin story, and I love that Toby and Andrew never have that. They have their own redemption arcs, but none of it is to like take away the focus from Tom's origin story. This is Tom's origin story. This is Aunt May becoming their Uncle Ben and saying, "With great powers comes great responsibility," and him actually stepping out of the shadow of the Avengers, stepping out of Tony Stark's shadow, stepping out of Happy Hogan's shadow, and leaving all the help that he usually had with Stark Industries to truly become his own person, to truly become the Spider-Man that we know and love from the comics. and that is something that people had been begging because everyone was like oh my god he's iron man junior iron man junior iron man junior they did it they were like you know what let's remove that iron man junior shit let's truly turn him into the full blown freaking spider man that he needs to be and tom holland truly phenomenal acting i mean how do you act when you have toby and andrew right in front of you i would be screaming i, I don't even know if i would have acted it's just it's, it's so well done and again the thing is yes the villain we, we got to talk about the villains willem dafoe Nuff said. The thing is, you can introduce as many villains as you want. You can introduce Kang. You can introduce Thanos. You can introduce Namor. You can introduce Venvu, and they are great villains. But nothing comes close to William Frickin' Dafoe. That man was born to play Green Goblin, and he is still the best Green Goblin ever made. Like again, I don't think. The thing is, even the next three Spider-Man movies, which I'm assuming Tom Holland has already signed the contract for, there is a Spider-Man four coming. 
I assume that they were never gonna do the entire Osborn and Oscorp stuff all over again because there's no way you can make another Green Goblin that can actually top Willem Dafoe. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. And this movie solidified that again, not only was it a beautiful fan service of a film, and yes, this movie still has plot holes, by the way. Spider-Man No Way Home has its plot holes. There are a few things which don't really make sense, and some things where you're like, okay, wait, this. I don't know why is this happening? Why is this portal opening? Especially the one fact where Ned Ned actually knows how to use the sling ring, bro. What? I don't know. It didn't make sense. But again, the Sorcerer Supreme once uh, the Sorcerer Supreme and um, who's the lady? I'm forgetting. The Ancient One actually did say that if anyone has the willpower to believe that they want to go to a specific place, they can use the sling ring. So okay, fine, I buy it. But then you. just him being the one to open toby and andrew's portals so well done just so so well done and again this movie does feel rushed in parts and the best part that this movie did that i personally believe that no other spiderman film has done is revealing peter parker's identity i think that was the best part about far from home that okay peter parker is spiderman the whole world knows that how do you move forward from that and it's Tom Holland's Peter Parker's journey to realizing that you know what I want to change I don't want anyone to find out who that I am Spider-Man and then realizing that his aunt died realizing that he can't fix these villains realizing that everything he tried to do even even what he tried to do was right he couldn't help them and that's when that realization hits and he almost goes into vengeance mode just like Shuri in Wakanda Forever he goes into vengeance mode he's like you know what I'm going to kill the goblin and he almost tries to kill the goblin but Toby intervenes and he tells him that he cannot go on that crazy vengeance path. It's moments like these which truly solidify why a character is this important in the MCU. And that and then him actually getting stabbed, the whole theater literally was like what the frick? Like he literally got stabbed at the back. And I was like, "Bro, bro, are they going to kill Toby in this movie, bro? What the frick?" Thank God they didn't. Thank God they didn't. It all made sense. He's like, "You know what? This isn't the first time I've been stabbed." I'm like, "Of course you haven't." It's just so much they referenced the previous movies they referenced lizard everything made sense i think the sandman stuff felt very much like it was a direct copy from the spider-man 3 movies same with the lizard in the first amazing spider-man it felt like they didn't add a lot of new things but i could be wrong because i personally feel rice evans who portrays the lizard in the amazing spider-man and in this movie didn't do much it's like most of the acting was done by alfred molina and willem dafoe and jamie fox and they were the ones who still kept the movie on going and then curing the villains curing the villains i was like how can you cure them but then you use stark industries to cure them you remove the um, thing which is actually controlling alfred molina's dockock i was like wow that's something i never would have thought of like that's a really nice way of okay you know what let's cure these people and the cure was in their universe that was very smart very smart i was like okay you know what them actually curing the villains again at the end of the day it still doesn't change that they are still going to die but at least it was from their way a way of you know what okay you know what we are going to try our best to cure these villains so it actually made sense and again i we could go on and on about this movie we should probably do a spoiler review and explain things which we didn't like about no way home that would be an interesting video or an interesting episode of the podcast but yes ladies and gentlemen this is our ranking of the mcu phase 4 movies spiderman no way home is number 1 we'll say this again my number 1 is spiderman no way home 
Number two is Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Number three is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Number four is Eternals. Number five is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Number six is Thor: Love and Thunder, and number seven is Black Widow. Whereas Ashmit's ranking is number one is Spider-Man: No Way Home. Shang-Chi: The Legend of the Ten Rings is number two. Wakanda Forever is number three. Multiverse of Madness is number four. Black Widow is his number five. Eternals is number six, and Thor: Love and Thunder is our is his number seven. So yes, these are yes. the movies. Now the shows. I don't think we're going to do the shows obviously today. Part 2 is going to be us ranking the shows. The shows the shows episode actually might be like 4 to 5 hours long. So if you have the patience to sit down for that, please do ladies and gentlemen. We would love you can listen to that episode in parts as well because ranking the shows is way harder because you have like 6 episodes of each character. It's crazy ladies and gentlemen. And that's exactly why I'm going to tell you part 2 is going to be way bigger than this. But overall, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Meta Fandom Boys. Thank you so much for tuning in to our ranking of the Phase Four movies of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Phase Five starts in February. The Ant-Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. A lot of it is riding on that film. We'll see how it is. We will obviously see a spoiler review and on that film as well when we do when the movie comes out. We're also going to Comic Con next year. At least I am, Ashmit. I don't know about you. I am going to Comic Con next year. and uh, it's going to be a great year and yes um this is our ranking of mcu phase 4 so yes ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for tuning in make sure to subscribe if you're listening to this on your uh, on youtube and make sure to follow us on spotify and before that end this podcast i just want to say we also got our spotify wrapped this year uh, it's been 7 months since we've been doing this podcast i just want to thank the 32 fans according to spotify for whom this podcast is number 10 is like for 32 fans they, this is the number one podcast and for 10 fans it's the number one podcast is the one podcast they only listen to so for those 10 fans and for the rest of the 22 fans i just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart from listening to these episodes we truly try our best and we're going to make every episode better from like we try our best to make every episode as better as we can and that is exactly where we decided to do a ranking episode cuz you want so you guys can know where our rankings fall in and ladies and gentlemen thank you so much to every single person who listened to this episode so yes ladies and gentlemen that's where I'll end the episode thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you for part 2 so make sure you subscribe make sure you follow the spotify and we'll see you for part 2 bye bye